All right. Hello. How are you guys doing? This is Galactica. Actually, I am Adialo Jackson and my co-host. Jamie Smith. This week we're doing The Farm, which is uh, the return of uh, one Sharon Valeri. And we also um, have uh, a really creepy um, uh, series of events that happens uh, down on Caprica. Yeah. This is the first episode that is kind of the A story is the Caprica story. Mm, Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, we spend most of our time there. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So how are you doing before we get into this? How are you? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. I'm not strapped to a bed. I'm good. Oh, geez. (laughs) I mean. That was was dark. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I'm better than Starbuck. (laughs) Yeah. She she got put through the ringer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, well, let's get started then. So we open up with, uh, Anders and Starbuck. Actually, Starbuck's kind of popping around a room and it's post-sexy time, apparently. So they've hooked up in the meantime since, uh, like the end of their little, um, chemistry-filled pyramid game in the the previous episode. In the official Uh, companion, it says that it's been a week. I was I was gonna say this. I was watching the I was watching the deleted scenes from the previous week, I think, and they mention in the in the deleted scenes they do say that it's they've been there for about a week. Because um, it was a question that we had I had um about the time between when Adama got shot and when we got to the resistance. Mm-hmm. And there was a line that they said that that was about a week. So Apparently, it's been about two weeks' time. Since Adama got shot. Now. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I was really hung up on how Adama was better so quick. And not that a week is, is like, Well, long, and he's not better. He's, than, he's yeah. moving slowly. Right. But, I mean, it was, like, instead of being a matter of, like, two days, I was like, oh, I can live better with the week. And it's, like, sci-fi world, so they might have a little bit better medical science they do have warp drive or whatever so (laughs) (laughs) don't think it's warp drive but yeah yeah hyper folding whatever it is uh ftl is faster than light yeah um yeah so anyways they're having a lot of uh little fun banter um they're kind of talk uh talking to katie's talking about starbucks sorry starbucks talking about getting back to galactica um and that is her priority. And I actually kind of forgot that <laughs> when I when I so when I first watched Resistance and almost every other time I watch it, it always kind of like seemed weird to me that they were so willing to leave these people behind. But yeah, it, this you know because I'm paying a lot more attention this time. I'm like, oh yeah, like she came there to get Apollo's arrow, and there's this whole thing she has to do. She kind of makes a point about that um, that she needs to get back. Um, Anders is trying to get her to stay to help the resistance and Starbuck tells him to give it up and just like go into the mountains and hole up there until she can come back with Galactica and she has a mission to accomplish. Um, so kind of in my view, it absolves her from being as heartless as I kind of thought 
she was previously. <laughs> then they kind of kiss and make up. And then we cut to um, uh, they, we cut to them, um, uh, the whole resistance crew out in the woods. And they're driving up and they're going to be trying to steal a, a heavy raider. Starbucks kind of like given her plan of what they're going to do. Then all of a sudden there's an ambush and there's tons of firefighting. And in the midst of it with some very dramatic, melodic music, Starbuck is shot. Mm-hmm. It's very poetic. Um, she gets shot in the abdomen, falls down, and we cut to credits. So eagle-eyed viewers will notice that she, where we see where she's shot here, it's on, apparently it's on the opposite side of where it actually is. According oh, to, really? Yeah, according to huh. this book, it's that that was done on purpose to show how disoriented she is. But I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's the same side. I think that there, I think somebody looked at it and thought it was that she was shot on the left, but it was the right. But it's definitely the left side because when we see her scar later, she's laying down, but it's still her left side. Yeah, I've never noticed. I don't know. She also yeah. has like a some kind of patch on her shoulder. Yeah, on the on her back of her back of her shoulder. Right? Yeah. Do we know what that's yeah. from? Mm mm. Hmm. It could just be like from all of her fighting. You know, she had a pretty dry oh, yeah, out that's true. brawl with uh with six. Yeah. Yeah. So last season. <laughs> it really was. It was so long ago. It was like <laughs> it's like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we we come back and we uh we are in the CAC and it's Adama's triumphant return. It's very like heartwarming. The sea the crew is clapping. Uh Baltar <laughs> Baltar's in the scene. He seems a little less happy than everybody else and he gives like these weird clapping gestures. Why do you um, think that is? So I again watched the deleted scenes, and in the they actually cut out a bunch of stuff. There was actually a lot of um, talk. Head six was actually there, um, but they cut all that six stuff out of that for the broadcast. But they were having this back and forth, and um, six was like, you know, I think she was like, maybe you, like, why are, why are you clapping? And he was just like, because he's a good man. Um, there's like a back and forth about that. But then he kind of puts on this big show. And then a, bit, a little bit later, Adama kind of blows off Baltar. And then Baltar is like, you know, F that guy, kind of. So that's, I think that's why there was that that clapping that he does. <laughs> it seems very performative. Um, without that context of Head 6, that's... Why, so when why, they why? had some sort of, when he was blown off was before Adama comes back to the CIC? No, the the blowing off was at the very end. It was like this whole thing of like him, at first he was saying Adama's a good man and that's why we should be clapping for him. But then Adama kind of blows him off and then he, and then he's kind of like, he, it wasn't like a serious, um, like F that guy. It was just kind of like a playful kind of deal. Hmm. Um, but anyways, yeah, there was a whole sequence. Head six was like when they shot it originally, head six was in all of those scenes and they just cut, out, cut all of that out, which kind of lets you know, like, 
why he looked kind of the way he did when he was clapping. Yeah, because he started <laughs> out like sort of rolling his eyes while he's clapping. So yeah, uh, Adama gives a very heartfelt speech that's worthy of like Fast and the Furious. He talks about family and uh, he really cares for everybody. And then um, let's get back to work. And Baltar does another weird clapping instance. And they get, he sits, uh, gets to the, uh, like the center console. He says this line that I always like, I always think about like over the years when he says, I feel strange, like closer to the ground. It's a very, uh, yeah. Edward James almost, um, kind of non sequitur line that seems weighty, but doesn't really have necessarily anything to do with it. But it's so informative about just like who he is. Um, on Trish Halford's podcast, they had Michael Trucco on again. Um, he just mm-hmm. basically recorded for two episodes mm-hmm. and they talked a lot about that line. Like they were trying to figure out what he meant by that too. Mm-hmm. And I took it as he's just like his whole body feels heavy, like post-surgery. You just don't feel like yourself. And maybe mm-hmm. also it sort of knocked him off of a a pedestal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not that he put himself on a pedestal, but like it sort of showed him his mortality. So it just feels a little less like, I don't know, free, carefree. Not that he was a particularly carefree person, but you know, like it just, everything gets brought back to earth. Like, oh, any lofty ideas you have are like, well, shit, I could have died. Yeah, I I think it's, you know, multi-layered, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know. There's like you can look at it a lot of different ways, and I think all the different ways are true, actually, and that's why it's such a good line. I think it's just yeah, it's something I always think about every once in a while. Closer to the ground. Um, so yeah, we they start resuming um, to look for uh, the president and Apollo. <laughs> Ty insists on calling them fugitives. Like it's, mm-hmm. he still has a little bit of that micromanager from the previous episode when he was in charge the way he jumped in with that. So anyways, Adama wants him, wants them found. Um, uh, he still, it's, it's interesting the way he's speaking. Cause he, it seems like he still views Rosalind as a threat. So he doesn't have this, like, we've got to, you know, be a family with her again. Yeah. You know? And so he, uh, he commit, he tells the, he tells Gaeta to, um, embark on quarantine procedures for the fleet so i guess every ship's supposed to separate and there are no in and in we're inbound or outward traffic did you hear that Wait, wait, wait. Should we address why things are, why the whole vibe is different now? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. So we were in the midst of recording. I believe Diallo, Diallo was in the middle of a sentence and my power went out. So here we are about three hours later getting back into this. So we're going to try our best to pick up right where we left off. 
Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Where were we? You tell me. Oh, so we were talking about... Oh, yeah. So we were talking about the... um, uh, Adamo's going to set up... uh, corn. wants uh, Gata to set up quarantine procedures for the fleet. So they... I guess they were going to kind of like separate the fleet keep everyone from going in and out and then they were going to go ship by ship to um search each one so i think and they were going to start with uh the astral queen i think or no with cloud nine mm-hmm. um then adama says she can hide but she can't run um right about the same time on a ship called the kimba huta i think it is pronounced um rosalind alosha and apollo are meeting in a really cold meat locker <laughs> And uh, in the deleted scenes, they actually talk. There's like an extended sequence right before this uh, meeting where they that location is actually supposed to be safe because it's the safest place place in the fleet. Apollo says, because that's where all the the last like meat sirloin steaks and all that stuff is stored. Hmm. So it's like the most secure, I guess. I don't know. Um, I read that they use like wax to make it look frosty. Oh, interesting, huh? But I also I also heard that Ron Moore said that he doesn't think that this was a very successful not scene but just location because you can tell they're not actually that cold. Yeah, I mean you. You can tell, but I actually didn't really, like, notice until I saw the deleted scenes, but it almost doesn't matter, really. Like, so when they they cut out the parts about it being cold, so it was kind of like, why did it matter that they were there, you know? Well, Rosalind just does say, like, how long do we have to stay in this meat locker? Yeah. Um, And they're all bundled up in jackets, but uh, their breath isn't showing. Yeah. They didn't have CGI breath like they do on um, Yellow Jackets. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zarek um, gives a breakdown of what's going on in the fleet. And then he lets them, he lets uh, Apollo know that Adama's back. And he says something to the effect of uh, Zeus's return to Olympus. Um, you can see Apollo's really kind of taken aback by that and shaken. It's like, yeah. Yeah, his father's okay. My father's okay. And then um, Rosalind says something to the effect of, uh, that's a tough old bird. So there's still, like, it's interesting how there's respect from her side, even through all of that stuff. Like, she seems relieved and happy. Yeah, she didn't, she wasn't happy about him getting shot. Mm-hmm. You know, right, like, right, right. I don't think they're actually, I don't think either, well, maybe, maybe Adama thinks of her as an enemy, but I don't think she thinks of him, of Adama as an enemy. Mm-hmm. It's just the situation is, you know, what it is. Right. Yeah. She's she's uh, out there a little bit more on the edge, so she probably, there's a little less of a, um, she knows she's crossing a line, mm-hmm. um, but she also has a purpose, I guess. A glorious purpose. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So anyways, uh, Zarek says that they what they need to do is to give a speech that will get um like the fleet on their side um so apollo goes ahead and he starts to uh record this <laughs> it's like a it's almost like a war it's like he's it's a warm up for the trial in season 3 <laughs> speech <laughs> um 
he he's starting to like plead to the fleet, but he seems very stiff and not uh, not really coming from the heart so much. Yeah, kind of he taps out at a certain point. Well, I don't think that he's willing to really like denounce his father like Zarek wants him to. And I think based right. on Zarek's expression, he is hoping to drive this wedge and cause this chaos between the Adamas. And we'll see Zarek continue like down this a little bit of this path um, in the next few episodes. Yeah, he's up to he's up to no good. But Lee is just too honest he can't like this isn't this isn't why he's doing what he's doing and there, there's also this uh, this aspect of like again like b- with Rosalind like she knows she's crossed a line but there's actually a reason for crossing the line um and Apollo it's almost like he can see that but he doesn't quite want to cross a certain line himself or mm-hmm. like at least say something yeah but he also knows he's kind of out there too. And if it's, if he goes too far, you completely break these bonds that are tenuous right now, but aren't completely ruptured. Yeah, we have the we have the break between like Starbuck and uh, Adama, Apollo and Adama, Rosalind and Adama, um, all from kind of like separate separate spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, it's like a tense family situation there. <laughs> so rosalind Um, decides she's gonna play the religious card yeah she jumps right in (laughs) it's so funny how she says it (laughs) um she kind of stares for a second and then then says it um and then she has trouble working the tape recorder yeah Um, i thought that was really funny it felt ad-libbed how does this thing work yeah right 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 i was like is she a gen z or something (laughs) (laughs) so back on caprica um, Starbuck wakes up in this really surreal, weird hospital. Um, and then we're introduced to Simon. Right now, we don't know that he is the, what, fourth, fifth Cylon that we meet? Is it fourth? Uh, we have met four already, so he'll be the fifth. The fifth, yeah. So we don't know just yet that he's the fifth Cylon that we meet, but he's the fifth Cylon we meet. He tells her that she was brought in the day before and she had been shot in the abdomen. A key point of this uh, interaction that she says that her name is Kara Thrace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says that she was in surgery. Oh, yeah, she was in surgery and almost didn't make it. And she obviously is in a lot of pain. She's stuck in her bed. She asks about Anders and, and uh, Simon says that uh, yeah, the big guy <laughs> brought her in. Um, but after... Um, asking again, he says Simon didn't make it. Anders didn't then, make it. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, Anders didn't make it. And then um, he kind of turns and leaves, and Starbuck breaks down and cries right after this. So she does a lot of crying in this episode, actually, I noticed. So um, he's supposed to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Did he not know enough about human doctors to know that a doctor wouldn't say their name is Simon? They'd say I'm Doctor Such and So. I don't. I do not know. That would be my first clue that this was a Cylon. Yeah, I mean it. It was a really weird. I just kind of going back to my first viewing of the show. It's like you obviously kind of knew something was up. I didn't. 
I knew I didn't know I didn't necessarily think he was a Cylon, but I did think that he was up to no good. Mm. You could just you know just tell by the way it was all framed. Um, and the idea of a new Cylon showing up wasn't quite a thing in my brain to think that he could be a Cylon, but when he gets revealed as one later, it's not like a shock. It's really good casting because he has such a like warm face. Yeah, you know, like you want to trust him, and he doesn't play this. Like I know what you're saying, where you, you don't exactly trust him, but I think that that's. Because we're like, as an audience, sort of on edge. Like, this just seems really weird. Why is she the only person in this hospital that we're seeing? Why aren't we hearing hospital type anything? There's no nurses walking around or whatever, which they do address. But Mm -hmm. for me, him saying, I'm Simon, made me go, so you're not actually a legitimate doctor. Yeah, he's got a he's got a really great bedside manner. It's like even better than Doc Cottle, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of ironic. <laughs> and then so she goes, excuse, they, she wakes up in a later scene and um, she's waking up from this anesthetic, uh, and she asks him if he's a Cylon, and he says no. Um, and then he, she wants to know if she can leave, and then he just points to the door and is like, yeah, you can leave if you want. Uh, but she, she's, like, in such pain she can't leave. So he gives a little bit more information. Uh, I don't know uh, if, how much of it is real or not, but we can surmise that some of it is. It says it's a hospital that's 20 clicks out of Delphi. I actually looked up what how far a click is, oh. actually, because I know we talked about it. <laughs> last. So it's about a kilometer. Um. Okay. Is, or the distance, uh, I think it was like the distance you could walk or something like that uh, in military terms so, in an hour or something like that. So, yeah, that's what that's what a click is. Okay. I thought you were going to say it's about a kilometer or the length of 10 Jeeps because Americans like to measure things by anything but metric. <laughs> I mean, because it's hard. I don't know metrics, so it's really hard to. Yeah. yeah. But how I... many football fields is that? Well, a football field is a hundred yards. I don't know how many yards are in a meter, but I know that meters are metric is in tens, and that's a lot easier to calculate than like twelve inches. Yeah, no, totally. I don't, we definitely need to switch over. I, it's, <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> uh, American arrogance, like everything else. Yeah, I just think we do everything better when we do everything backwards. So we do have, I do, I have, I have seen and heard people talk about this um, that uh, the the measurement for temperature is actually better with uh, like Fahrenheit than it is Celsius. Um, it's a little bit more precise, but other than that, we should switch over to to metric. Okay, because it's like what's boi- what's boiling water uh, or what's like room temperature in celsius and you can't really like there's a big difference between like 69 fahrenheit and like 73 right you can't really measure that in celsius i just thought it was funny well yeah and like if you're if you're anywhere that doesn't use fahrenheit like when we were in england and we're trying to figure out what the temperature was we kept having to do the math because we're like Uh what, what actually does that mean to us yeah when they're like, it's it's 40 degrees outside. I'm like, that's really cold. And they're like, I'm sweltering. <laughs> like, oh, so you yeah. mean it's, it's 78. Okay, got it. 
Yeah, soon as uh, Simon, they blah, 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 they talk a lot. Um, he knocks her out again <laughs> with some more anesthetic. Um, then we jump to uh, the Battlestar Galactica. Um, we see Callie is in the brig. Some little food gets shoved to her. Um, we jump into uh, Adama's um, uh, quarters, and Tyrrell is in there pleading to Adama on behalf of Callie to let her go. Um, while Tyrrell's going through all of this stuff, um, Adama kind of interjects and asks, did you, did you love her? And Tyrrell's taken aback. And like I guess since they were talking about Callie, you initially kind of think that. But Adama's talking about Boomer, and he is like, um, actually, well, he asked, "Do you did you love her?" And then Tyrrell says, "I think so." And then Adama's like, "You either love her or not. Love isn't like a isn't like a I think so maybe. It's like you do or you don't." And then he starts to kind of ask more questions, and you see he's contemplating for himself this relationship that he had with Boomer because obviously the last time he saw her um he was getting shot and he's i guess he needs to start to come to grips with what happened um on trisha helfer's podcast they were talking about this and how adama says um that you know chief says i thought i did and adama's like that's all love is is thoughts um but also they thought that maybe his line of questioning was to try to determine whether what callie did was murder because if hmm. if Chief loved her, then that made her more human than machine, and therefore it's murder. But if he didn't, and if Adama decides that he himself like didn't love her, that you know, then it's not murder because you can't murder a machine. But watching this scene, because like I said last week, like I listened to these, I listened to her podcast before I rewatched the episode. Um, yeah. Also, because I've just recently like rewatched the entire series while we, as we started this, um, <clears throat> in watching this scene, it all happens pretty fast. The decision that Adama makes for Callie's sentence. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they were right in you know the intention of the scene. I do like the headcanon of it, but it sounds like more like what you're saying that Adama is really wrestling with how he feels about this and how he feels about her. Yeah. That's all I ever, I don't think, I mean, it sounded like he already, yeah, he already knew what he was going to, he was never going to like have a trial for Callie or anything. Um, it didn't even think like it crossed his mind. He right. already knew well ahead of time. And there was just an opportunity for him to start wrestling. And we see him look a little bit later, like kind of, getting starting to come to grips with his relationship with her mm -hmm. you know um so yeah i mean that's an interesting take i don't agree with it like at all but um who am i i mean adama he's saying that she was more than a machine to me she was a, a vital part of our team she was a part yeah. of the ship you know? This is definitely a struggle for him when he meets the copy a little bit later. Yeah, this was going to be a whole, a whole thing about that. So definitely, just feels like a setup for how do we relate to this? And you know, we explore this continuously throughout the rest of the uh, the show, actually. 
Then he tells, Adama tells uh, Tyrell that Callie will remain in the brig for 30 days because she put endangered her crew people by firing her um, firearm. And he dismisses Tyrell. And then Tyrell, as Chief's leaving, he says, you'll see her again, Chief. There are many copies. You'll see her again. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, then we get back on Caprica. Simon enters again. Starbuck, um, I guess she's waking up from this uh, from this last going down. Um, she asks how many patients there are because uh, she's seen no one else. And then Simon says that they're basically overrun and understaffed. He gives like a number of like how many doctors and assistants there are. And then she asks why she's not heard anyone. So she's very suspicious, you know, obviously. And then he kind of defensively answers that um, – that most of the people there are succumbing from like radiation sickness, and he just just he describes just how horrible it is to die from that. Yeah. Um. So every that's why there's no one. You just don't hear anybody. He's saying that they're just it's just quiet. Um. Starbuck kind of takes that in and backs off a little bit. He says, you know, it's not pretty, but it is quiet. Um. Then he gives her a little bit more BS about <laughs> about that why she's secluded. Then we cut to him doing a pelvic exam. And this is another, in the deleted scenes, there's actually a whole sequence where he like kind of tells her he needs to do a pelvic exam. There's this little back and forth, but um, I can see why they cut it. Anyways, uh, he says that, he starts to tell her that she's a precious commodity. It starts to get really weird, like mm-hmm. weirder than it already was. He's like, hey, <laughs> you know, you're a precious commodity. You're, uh, you're, you can bear children. And, you know, she's just like, no. I'm a Viper pilot, pilot, and she, he insists, and she's like, uh, I don't want to be one, dude. Drop it. Um, and then he makes more of a case for her to be a mother. He starts to manipulate her about her past, and he goes into, um, we start to actually see uh, a history of abuse that he has. So he's basically like, oh, I understand why you wouldn't want to have a child, because you wouldn't want to pass the trauma that was placed on you down to your child. And he says that she has fractures along her fingers all in the same like location and they were repeated. Um, so we start to get a picture of, I'm assuming her relationship um, and upbringing with her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This scene just hits a little bit different now in 2023 in mm-hmm. this country with the way that, uh, women are, at least by a certain faction of this country, looked at like they are only good for breeding purposes, choices being taken away from us, and the idea of having somebody unnecessarily doing a pelvic exam and then yeah. being like, it's just very like Handmaid's Tale, you know, like, oh, well, your ovaries are good and you're a commodity because you can produce a child. It's like there are people in this country that that's the only thing they think of women. And mm-hmm. back in 2004, this was gross, but not frightening. And watching it now, it's for me pretty frightening. <laughs> Like, how long before this is a reality? I don't know. I hope not. I hope never. But, you know, it just hits different. That's all. Yeah. Praise be. <laughs> uh, under his eye. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it definitely felt 
like even creepier than before. And like this is actually a topic that they um cross a little bit later in the show with a little bit more of a philosophical philosophical bent um and discussion about their situation of humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sort of like it's like a value uh, a valuable exploration of that topic. But here it's very um it's very manipulative. And the fact, I guess, you know, the fact that she shuts it down immediately, she's just like, no, that's not what I want to do. And the fact that he continues to like prod around that subject is what really makes it kind of like a lot sketchier than it, it would have started out. As. Yeah. It's, it's a, there's a tinge of, well, it doesn't really matter what you want to do to this conversation. Right, right. Yeah, it's like as, as soon as she said no, then that's it. That should have been it, you know. But obviously he's a Cylon and he doesn't care about that. So this guy's just no good. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, she gets triggered by this uh, conversation about her uh, a past abuse. Um, she screams for him to get out. Mm-hmm. It's another uh, breaking down moment for her. Then back on the Galactica and the CIC, Adama and Ty are discussing uh, Rosalind's message that has gone out over the fleet. And so basically what they said, uh, Rosalind said, is that the appointed hour, there will be a signal to the fleet and any ship that wants to go will follow her to Cobol. Um, like Adama pissed as he's reading after he reads the whole thing and slams down his little clipboard and everybody like stops and watches. <laughs> it's like, dude, you just got out of surgery. <laughs> Take it easy, pop guy. Pop those stitches. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, they're gonna the they're ready to board the uh, the Astral Queen, um, and then uh, but Adama thinks no one will follow her, so he's he's basically like, if anyone wants to leave, then let them go. Um, yeah, he thinks it's gonna be like three or four ships tops. Yeah, like, it's kind of funny because, like, even that's too much, I guess, but he's, you know, at this point, he's over it, mm-hmm. but on the Astral Queen, um, we find out there's two minutes to jump. Uh, Rosalind enters this room, um, and again, I'm, I keep jumping back to, like, deleted scenes, but uh, in, this is interesting to me because when I was listening to the director's commentary of some, like, episodes past the beginning of the season... Ron Moore kept talking about how Apollo felt betrayed by Rosalind for not getting his back when he put the gun to Ty's head in the season one finale. And I kept like, I was like, I don't ever remember that happening whenever he said it, but I just was like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll get to it when I keep watching. And as it turns out, it was in a deleted scene that either they hadn't decided to put that in at the time or not but right before this sequence apollo kind of gets like he's basically butt hurt by <laughs> by rosalind not getting his back and rosalind just basically like disregards the things he's saying kind of acknowledging that he's being overly emotional about this like like kind of get over yourself dude um and so there... he was upset because she didn't what like he puts the gun to ty's head and she says no no i don't this isn't what i want and she surrenders herself what what did he expect her to do 
Exactly. That and that's kind of what she like her attitude about it was. It was like like it it went down the way it went down. Like guy. so, she like, was supposed to just let a you know a gunfight happen on the on her ship, right? Instead, like and then maybe that's. And maybe that's why they cut it because it just didn't. Because oh, it makes Lee look stupid. Yeah. Okay. Like because whenever, yeah, whenever Ron Moore was saying that, I and I was thinking about it, it's like that doesn't seem to track. Like, you know, it's like it seemed like he, what? Yeah, what was he expecting? Um, but then before they walk into that room, um, on the Astral Queen, Apollo says, uh. I basically, oh uh, yeah, you can count on me no matter what happens after this. And and then Rosalind looks at him and says, I never had a doubt. You know, should I have ever had a doubt? So it's kind of like that little argument got repaired in that moment. That's all cut out. <laughs> but just throwing that out there for a little bit more of a context about how the scene developed. Uh, but when they walk into this room, the Astral Queen, it's full of prisoners the prisoners all kind of look deferential. They see her, they start bowing. Um, and Elosha tells Rosalind to bless them. Rosalind says no. And Elosha says, it's your path. So um, Rosalind starts to walk through them and begins blessing them on their foreheads and stuff as they kneel and bow. So she's definitely like uh, solidly a religious figure now um, amongst the fleet. Yeah, but she's not comfortable with it. Yeah, not at all. Um, but, you know, she decided to play the re- the religious card, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She could take um, some lessons from Baltar on how to embrace your <laughs> sudden religious leader stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does it well because he's he's basically like a... Um, Narcissist? One of those, yeah, those mega church, <laughs> yeah. uh, those mega church guys. That, like, it's not about like what the belief; it's about like edifying themselves. It kind of feels like. So uh, we're back on Caprica now, and this is the first time we see the resistance members from the beginning of the episode. They're returning to the scene of where all of this went down, and while they're discussing what where. Kara might have gone and what happened Athena jumps out from a tree <laughs> and uh, it's actually interesting the captions for the uh, closed caption says uh, what she talks says it's Boomer um, but so before she pops out um, Hilo and Anders are sort of arguing about what happened to Starbuck because mm-hmm. Anders feels really bad that they all scattered and didn't check that she was with them. And Hilo's like, no, she would have known, you know, she would have understood that. She would have known what to do. So I like that Anders is thinking of this, thinking about this like a, a person, a regular person, and Hilo's like military. Like, no, she knows how to handle herself in these situations. We all know how to do this. I think what you really liked was when they turned to look at Athena, future Athena. They have a two shot of Apollo. I mean, of uh, Anders and Hilo, kind of staring at her. And I bet you just were like, "Ooh, uh, it's now my screensaver." <laughs> <laughs> just... uh, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh man, she's probably losing. She probably lost herself I mean, in this moment right could now." Could there be a better twosome than these two gigantic? <laughs> 
Canadians. Actually, I don't think Michael Chuko is Canadian, but <laughs> they're both so tall. <laughs> they were all like just staring. They're all like, oh, sweaty. They're, all that man. I don't care about the sweaty part. They just are very, very okay. pleasant to look at. <laughs> so anyways, uh uh the sh- this Sharon says that uh she's been she had been tracking the resistance she says she knows where Starbuck is um and then you know Hilo tries to kind of put her off and she tells him you're the father of my child I'm not going to lose you <laughs> Anders kind of looks on he never really comments on any of it but Anders always kind of looks on when they have interactions and it in my brain, I'm like, he's thinking, what the hell is going on <laughs> <laughs> right now? Who, who are you people? What's happening? So then we get back to the fleet and we see this signal go off. It's like a flare that comes up out of the uh, Astral Queen. Uh, the CIC is waiting um, and they think only a few ships will jump. Then we're back on Caprica. Starbuck wakes up again and she sees a new bandage on her uh, abdomen. And Simon enters and he tells her, um, yeah, he had to go back in, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's about done and then they can send her back out so she can get back to fighting, whatever she, he, you know, kind of lets her, kind of stringing her along. Then he's about to knock her out again, like almost immediately. And she protests, she protests a bit. Um, and then, um, but then she starts to pass out. Um, then Simon leaves and then we stay in the room, and then it's revealed that uh, Starbuck actually had blocked the tube that uh, was used to the IV when they were administering the the IV. Yeah, and so she had kind of pinched it so that she didn't get knocked out. So she rips it off, and she um, gingerly exits the room and goes into this long hallway. Um, and then she kind of sneaks down. She gets to the end of this hallway and then she sees Simon talking to somebody and he's talking about how there's like a lab testing of her ovaries. Um, and then if it's a viable, blah, 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 blah. Can't really make out everything. Um, but then right around. Well, I can, I can actually tell you what he says. He's, he's saying that, um, the, they tested the ovary and they're going to do a complete removal tomorrow. So it sounds like they maybe removed some eggs or something. And then they they made sure that it's actually a viable ovary. And then they're going to remove both of her ovaries the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So while that conversation is happening, she peeks out a little bit more and then we see that uh, a six is he's talking to a six so now we know this is a Cylon mm-hmm. for sure um, then Starbuck runs back to her room <laughs> she starts freaking out like again and she says Lords of Cobalt please help me and it's very like heart rending um, I actually feel her fear when she says it so we cut to we go to a break and we come back and then um, Simon enters again and <laughs> Starbuck is kind of in a contrast from um, her freaking out and praying to the Lords of Cobalt. This time she's super casual in bed. She's reading a magazine. I don't know where the magazine came from, but she's reading <laughs> one. <laughs> Just an old um, issue, that's all. 
Yeah, and Simon seems like a bit suspicious, probably because like the anesthetic, he would have expected the anesthetic to be working. Um, he checks the little vial. Um, he asks, if "She's feeling okay?" She says, "Something has been." Um, she says, "Something has been bothering her." And then uh, Simon comes closer, and we get a shot of the little. I guess it would have been the mirror that he that would have been used um, on the bed for the pelvic exam. Maybe I'm not sure. I've never that had a mirror pelvic has exam. been there. No, there's yeah. no mirrors and pelvic exams, but that mirror has been there the whole hey. time. Okay. Well, we see a piece of it has been broken mm-hmm. um it's actually and... been there and broken the whole time it's oh, just that the all time? the pieces were there yeah oh, okay okay um so then she, she she stabs him in the neck with that piece of uh of a mirror yeah this was also something that michael truco was like i had to go back and just look again she didn't wrap that glass up that would have ripped her hand apart <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably um uh... <laughs> Uh, she grabs his keys and then she starts to make her escape. Uh, she goes down the hallway. She makes it into this room. She comes in this room and this is like the darkest, creepiest part of this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a bunch of women, um, that are attached to a machine and there's all kind of devices that are coming out of their bodies and their heads and. Um, basically, it's a farm. It's a birthing farm. Yeah, they're um, all like propped up like like you are during a pelvic exam, except that they have all of these machines attached to them with these like tubes and things. And then she sees Sushan, who's one of the mm-hmm. uh, resistance uh, fighters. Um, and she tries, uh, Starbuck tries to get her out. Um, but she, she saw, Sushan says there's no time and just to cut the power. And she tells her like we're like we're baby machines, and it'll kill her if she does. And she doesn't want, she doesn't want to live like this. So just kill me, yeah, please. She pleads, and then um, Starbuck whispers something. What do you think she would have said to her in that moment? I don't know. I don't know. It was really interesting because like there was no like caption or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's almost like a, what's the what's that movie? Uh, Bill Murray and Japan, <laughs> where they she whispers something at the end, and you're like you're left to kind of like lost in translation. Yeah, lost in translation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just like I really wondered, like what 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 would she have said to her at this moment? It's I really, don't know. That was something that they talked about on Trisha's <laughs> podcast too. Like they have no oh, idea they? what she was what she was saying to Sushan. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Anyways, yeah, so she, uh, Starbuck destroys the machine. And then uh, she starts to, she runs outside. Um, or she runs into a hallway. There's a six there. She bashes <laughs> the six over the head with like a fire. Uh, a fire extinguisher. A fire extinguisher, yeah. Yeah, Trisha Helfer said also, like, she was doing her own stunts because she'd proven in a previous episode that she could. And Katie actually hit her and into the wall. And oh, damn. she says that she, she's like, I was like knocked out for a probably 10 seconds. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And like <laughs> afterwards, they were like, that was great. And she's like, yeah, I, I, everything went black for a second. And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> and had her checked out. She said she was fine. And she's like really proud of it. She's like, that's the, that's the take they use in the show. And like, but yeah, I, I you know, I was blacked out for a second there. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it did look like a brutal hit but i just imagined how brutal it was i didn't know it actually was i mean it's not a real fire extinguisher so there's that but i think katie just hit her hard enough that she hit the wall and when she hit the wall she hit her head Mm -hmm. starbuck makes it outside um it's very bright outside Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then almost immediately she there's she's confronted by another simon model and he starts to talk, and he gets shot right away. And then we see off in the distance uh, the resistance fighters closing in from out of the woods. Um, they're telling Starbuck to come on. And then, so Starbuck starts to run out. The Centurions are coming out of the hospital, and they start shooting. Kara falls down. So she's laying down, kind of caught in the crossfire. And, like, up above to her left, all of a sudden, you, like, the, the above these trees, the Silaterator pops out. Um, and just starts firing on all the Centurions. And then Hilo and Anders come up and scoop up Kara, and they get her on the raider. And then um, you see uh, Sharon kind of getting all the resistance fighters in. And it's like it's actually kind of interesting because it's like she's back into uh, Sharon Valeri mode, mm-hmm. you know, with all of the authority. She's wearing her, you know, the, the flight suit all zipped up like she was a part of Galactica still. And yeah. just her whole demeanor is that again. So I just thought it was really interesting. It's like kind of like your sign that uh, everything's going to work out with this model somehow. <laughs> so we can trust her, you know. Uh, Michael Truco said that he and Tomo were actually carrying Katie because Katie refused to <laughs> help them. <laughs> she just made <laughs> them like drag her along. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, authenticity, right? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, so when you see in that wide shot, we had to do that like six times and she was not helping. That's funny. (laughs) Well, there's two big guys. So, you know, I thought it was cool because it's like both of her, um, her men, you know? Yeah. So then we're uh, back in the fleet. Uh, We see a couple ships jumping away. And then we find out that 24 ships total have jumped. And then uh, Dama says that that's like almost a third of the fleet. And we're all kind of like, damn. Um, and then we cut to like Adama kind of walking down this hallway and he ends up in the morgue um, and he pulls out the body of Boomer. Then we flash back to when he got shot um, and he's just look- looking down on her. And then he asks why. And he has this total breakdown, crying sobbing you know master class edward james almost acting he is not a pretty crier (laughs) no it makes it authentic right like who who is i think (laughs) we see we see we uh see him you know have some breakdowns later in the Mm -hmm. show also and he definitely is not uh like when he lets it go he lets it go maybe he just like he's so stoic all the time he's holding everything in so back on um caprica athena kind of fills in um everybody on kind of what was going down like tells them that they're far they're they're human slylon research uh centers the whole time she seems very sympathetic (laughs) about it she uses the word we where uh 
when she's talking about what the Cylons were planning, what they were doing. I think she says that there, when they ask how many of those, uh, how many of those centers there are, she says there are hundreds and maybe thousands. But she's like with, uh, you know, with with Starbucks, she's kind of like if you, if you like if you agree to being bred and be voluntary, it wouldn't be this bad, <laughs> you know. And it's kind of like, hey, Sharon. Um, she gets confronted by that, and then she says, "Oh no, we're different. You know, me and Hilo were different." Hilo starts to tell, like, starts to talk about why his his theory is that he thinks the Cylons think the difference is that love is what causes the babies to be born, mm-hmm. um, and that they were set up to be to fall in love. Um, and then uh, uh, Starbuck is really like kind of upset by this. Um, she's like, "They didn't ask uh, Sushan to fall in love," and. Athena then goes into this sort of like mystical side of things where we go back to uh, her relationship with Leobin. And she says, they know, you know, they know who you are, Kara. You're special. Leobin told you that you have a destiny. I don't know that the show really knew exactly where that was going to be going at the time, but we definitely we get down the road and there's some speculation about like where directions could go and stuff. We definitely thought we were going to see Starbucks child or something at a certain point, but at least I did. Um, but we never do. So I have a question. Yeah. In the mini series, there's a scene with six and Baltar where she's like, do you love me? <laughs> do you think that she was trying to make a baby um, to see if it would. I think that that's before they kind of figure this out based on yeah. Kilo and Sharon. But it made me wonder, like, is, yeah. is was that her intention? Like to see if that would make a difference? You know, I, I would say no. Um, I, I would say that she already knew what the situation was between them, but it's almost like that's the question that the Cylons are still kind of exploring. So it was kind of like, do you, do you love me? You know, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like a deliberate like test to see if like they could have a child mm-hmm. together. Um, Cause all the wheels are already in motion, right? Um, well, for the, the attack only... on the colonies. Yes. Yeah, for the attack on the colony. So the only difference might have been that she would have like uh, made moves to separate him and save him, I guess, you know, but yeah. So I would say no. So when you said that they had hundreds or maybe thousands, um, it's not camps or farms. It's people. It's women. For some reason, I thought it was uh, farms. Because this kind of sends this kind of sends Starbuck into this whole mode um where she's like, in contrast to the beginning of the episode, where she's like, we got to leave after I've gone through this stuff in the episode. Now she's like, oh, we got to go free everybody. We got to stay. Well, yeah, I'm glad um, she did because I yeah. would I would have questions about her humanity if she was like, well, that really sucks for them, but I've got to go. Like it, Her instinct yeah, is instead absolutely. we're going to take the heavy raider and go blow these places up. And Anders is like, no. You need to, you have a thing you have to do. You need to go and do that. Yeah, we'll take care of this. That's not why you came to Caprica. He says so. He goes to this metal drum, 
and pulls out the arrow uh, from a little underwater hiding place. He said that stink really bad. That hole that they made for water for him to pull that out of. Yeah, he said it was smelled really bad. (laughs) And he tells her, go find Earth. You know, he'll they'll find a way to bottle through um, uh, through while they're gone. Um, Starbucks says they'll kill you all. You'll die here. And then he's just like, yeah, a lot of people have died here. <laughs> but if I'm going to die, I'm going to, you know, take those take out all those farms with me. She just really doesn't want to leave. And then he reminds her that she said she'd come back and I'm holding her. I'm holding you to it. She gives him her dog tags tells him i'm coming just back. one of them uh, just one of them and then she says be safe and she gives this look and this is one of those like acting moments that i just find so like these touches that um kind of elevate everything mm-hmm. um there's nothing that she says but it's just like you really feel this rending apart of these two people and obviously down the road, we see that this actually will become a, a really solid relationship. Ish. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> as as um, solid as Starbucks will allow her relationships to be, I guess. Yeah, it's more like a volatile twin flame type of thing. There's definitely like a connection there, but that doesn't mean it's yeah. uh, wholesome. I mean, I think that they love each other. I think that she doesn't know how to allow herself to be happy. Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah. And then she says, let's go home. And we see the heavy raider taking off. And Anders walks out of her life, never to return. (laughs) No, we know he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of the farm. But I think that even when they wrote this, there wasn't really an intention for him to come back. But then they saw this scene, the way these two performed this goodbye scene. Yeah. And they were like, no, we got to bring him back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was very like that scene, too. It was very like they were playing the the kind of symphony music and Mm -hmm. um, it was very artfully done. Um, It was really, I don't know. I just always remember back to when I first watched it and just kind of like, wow, this is really good. And it was funny watching it this time because, you know, I've been... I've been holding myself to watching it just, uh, you know, uh, one episode a week mm-hmm. and not jumping ahead. And this was the first week I was like, uh, I want to watch the next episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, because, you know, I, I know it's like, it's really just like from here till like at least till like the middle of season three, it's just like nonstop bonkers. Yep. So. Um, but I have the. I'm holding myself. I'm holding myself to it. I got weak though. I almost. <laughs> <laughs> so twenty four ships, almost a third of the fleet, would be around. Well, what it says on Wikipedia is over seventy two ships. I did some math and found that it had to be at least seventy six ships. I think or seventy eight ships. For mm-hmm. 24 to be almost a third. Okay. Um, but what it said on the Wikipedia page was this would mean a total fleet. The total fleet consists of over 72 ships. In the miniseries, there are only about 40 FTL-capable ships to able to rendezvous with Galactica at Ragnar Anchorage. 
this retcon is similar to the 500 to 1500 prisoner error from the miniseries to Bastille Day. And uh, Sharon Boomer Valeri served aboard Galactica for two years prior to the fall of 12 colonies, which implies that the Cylons infiltration began around or before that time. This matches the length of time of Caprica 6's affair with Gaius Baltar while on Caprica. So that's nice. Nice continuity. Those shifty Cylons. The question of was Baltar the worst this week doesn't apply because Baltar is in one scene and has no lines. So (laughs) I would say the worst is probably Simon. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) By far. (laughs) Specifically the Simon that is pretending to be a doctor. Yeah. Um, not the, necessarily the, the one outside who barely yeah. got to speak before he died. Yeah. He gets shot right away. So, Who would you say got full colors? Uh, I'd give it to Kara Thrace. He's, she kind of stepped up. I said, <laughs> yeah, I said Kara or Sharon. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I mean, I guess Sharon. I mean, she did save the day. Yeah, she did save the day. It's just like, it's still kind of like, even though... Even though she saved the day, it kind of it was tainted by the, 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 this, the discussion after everything, where she was just kind of like, kind of like vouching for the Cylon. I don't think farm she was vouching system. for them. I think she was explaining like this is what we've been trying to do. And then after she says we, the next time she talks about it, she says they. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, she wasn't, like, all in, but she definitely was, like, she definitely was, like, hey, like, she wasn't as against it as I would have wanted her to be, with, <laughs> like, her tone and her stances, you know? Like, this was wrong. She was just, like, hey, you know, maybe they'll set you up, too, if you uh, if you kind of gave in, you know? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. So you're saying you would throw her out the airlock? No, I mean, I would not throw her out the <laughs> airlock. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I wouldn't give her full colors is what I'm okay. saying. Yeah. So who would you throw out the airlock? Um, I mean, so it would have to be Simon. Yeah. 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 So yeah. he's just the worst. <laughs> this, uh... Uh, this week's favorite Cylon. I mean, would be Sharon. Yeah. There aren't many choices. It's between Sharon and Simon. Because we see a six, we don't even, I don't think she even speaks. No. And we don't see head six at all, because apparently they cut her out. Yeah. And some more, I think in some more scenes, they weren't, they weren't in deleted scenes, but they talk about, I'm totally blanking out. (laughs) 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 They talk about. What do they talk about? You're going to have to cut this out. I got to remember what I was going to say. Oh, um, so yeah. So they actually talk about um, how that whole thing about um, where, oh, when the resistance gets found at the very beginning of the episode, there's uh, an implication that there is a Cylon um, mole or something in the resistance group. Yeah. And we, and that's in the plan. 
in the plan. Yeah. yeah. So they find out in the plan. But see, I don't remember the plan because I kind of put it out of my, my head. But... I mean, I only remember because I read the Wikipedia page about it last week. And then there was a either something in the script or it was a deleted scene where um, or no, it's it's in the plan. They repurposed um, a shot from this episode of after they save Kara of Anders mm-hmm. telling somebody to go back to the camp and kill the doctor because there's a Simon who has been posing as their team doctor. I don't even remember any of that. It's so crazy. The plan is useless. Anyway. <laughs> so um, in this book, it says Simon is able to refer to Samuel Anders while interacting with Kara Thrace because the Cylons had been tracking Anders' work with the Caprica resistance. The show's producers considered revealing that Anders' cell had been infiltrated by a Cylon agent, but the concept never made it into the episode script. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really need any of that. No, we didn't. So, I mean, again, it's just one of those things with the plan. It was like, basically, it sounds like they just were like putting all of the unused plot points from stuff that they made and stitched it together to make some sort of uh, clip show that they do on TV and make some money. So, So do we have any new reviews this week? Did you check? Um, I have not checked. I don't believe we did, um, but we will make sure if we do have any, we'll give people shouts out for next episode. Yep. Then where can people find you? You can find me at uh, the Armageddon. <laughs> I went to the page to see if there were any reviews. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it started to play the episode. Um, you can find me at the Armageddon on Instagram, uh, First Noel Chronicles and Angela of the Dark, which I am proud to announce is, um, 100% complete. So we'll be releasing it very soon. Uh, motion awesome. comic and, uh, stay tuned on Angela in the Dark Instagram and Facebook for, we'll be putting it up on my, uh, YouTube channel for Forge Creation and, um, we just did an episode of uh, TV Obscura last week covering TV show Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. That's now playing on Podcasting After Dark. And that's about it. Okay. Um, our Twitter is GalactuallyPod. Our Instagram is Galactica Actually. If you want to see a very moving and uh, well-produced visual of cat of crashdown's elegy that is up on our instagram <laughs> and one yeah. mr sam whitwer actually liked it so that's exciting yeah it was very exciting i didn't think he would uh, i thought he would like block block <laughs> me <laughs> i wish he'd commented because i really want to know his thoughts um yeah. You can send us your thoughts at galacticaactuallypodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments about the show. You can also please go to iTunes and rate and review us so that we can come up in the searches when people decide they want to rewatch or watch for the first time the brilliant show called Battlestar Galactica. If you if you want to find anything that I did previously previous to this podcast, I was on the Unspoiled Network covering 
Lost and Band of Brothers and Doctor Who and The Punisher and The Vampire Diaries. We did not finish The Vampire Diaries. We also didn't finish The Punisher, actually. We did the first season, and then after that, we decided not to do the second one because I heard it was terrible, and my friend didn't want to put me through making me watch it. That was a good call. <laughs> the first season cool. is absolutely brilliant, and yes. then they completely lost the plot, apparently. And also, yeah. like, they were apparently very scared to make Ben Barnes ugly. I understand the idea <laughs> of not wanting to make him ugly, but I think he would have gone for it. So you shouldn't, I don't know. I, I would rather have seen him ugly and giving an amazing performance than whatever it sounds like they did. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we really enjoyed doing that show. If you ever want to check it out, that is unspoiled podcast. And next week we get home part one. Where I guess home is either Galactica or Cobol. Home is family, mm. bro. Sure. Okay. I haven't seen those movies, <laughs> but thanks, Vin. No, I, and that's not a line from. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I was in, you know, connecting that, but I mean, that's what it is. I, that's what I think it is, is mm. their connection. It's not necessarily a place, but. We will see. We will. Yeah. So, anything left? Anything else to add? Nope. That's it. Looking forward to next week. And we also get to see, um, I, know, I always forget his name, Dexter's dad. Oh, right. James Remar. <laughs> James Remar. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. we'll get to see him next week. Yeah. Lucky us. <laughs> I like James <laughs> Remar, but that character yeah. is awful. <laughs> yeah. He's terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, then, until then, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.